Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 74, where in a moment we discuss cash ices versus stocks and shares ISA. That's today's show topic, and it's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it. Pretty much. And last week, we looked at the financial repercussions of getting married. Now, remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. And with me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, I know from our listening figures that this kind of discussion has been popular in the past. This week, uh, we're looking at cash ices versus stocks and shares ices. Is there a reason that we're doing it now specifically? I mean, there usually is something relevant to, to when we do these. Yeah, the, this is typically what's known as ISA season just now. But what you tend to find is people will often look at investing their ISA allowance at, at this kind of time of year. The, the tax year ends on the 5th of April. And what you tend to find is a lot of people, rather than putting their money in at the start of the tax year, they often tend to do it nearer the end of the, the tax year. So at the moment, it's known as ISA season. We did do one podcast early on, which I think was ISAs versus pensions. But today, I thought we would look at two of the main types of ISAs, which was the, the cash ISA against a, a stocks and shares ISA. So hopefully from today's podcast, it can help people find the right ISA for them. Okay, and maybe you've never heard of an ISA before or because you've never had one, you, you've not really paid attention to what they are exactly. So now's a good time to find out because they can be very useful. Hence why we're discussing which of the two is better. But before we weigh them up, give us a reminder of what an ISA is exactly, Phil. Well, first of all, ISA stands for Individual Savings Account. And one of the key words in there is individual. An ISA can only be held in your own name. You can't have that in, in joint names at all. An ISA really is a, a tax-efficient way to save. You don't pay any tax on the interest that you earn, nor will you have to, to pay any capital gains. Another good thing with an ISA is you don't have to include it on your tax return. So if you do have to, to complete a tax return, you don't have to put any details of your ISAs in there either. There's a lot of different types of ISAs. You've got cash ISAs, help to buy ISAs, innovative finance ISAs, lifetime ISAs, stocks and shares ISAs. And for children, they also have what's called junior ISAs. So there's an awful lot of different types of ISA out there. Today, I thought we would focus just on cash ISAs against stocks and shares ISAs. I thought that would be a, a good one. They're, they're probably the two most popular types of, of ISA that people look at, at taking out. And if anyone's interested as well, I also have a document called ISAs, 
getting to grips with the basics. And it's quite good. It's just got basic information on ISAs there. So if anyone's interested in that, if they want to email me, my email address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Just drop me an email saying that you want a copy of that ISA document and I can send that through to you hopefully quite quickly as well, just to, to give folk general information on ISAs. But today's show, I thought cash ISAs and stocks and shares ISAs would be the, the main thing we could cover today. Okay, we'll come on to those in, in a second. As you were speaking there, it crossed my mind. I, I thought, is there a cutoff point for how much you're allowed to put in one or how many you can have in terms of ISAs? Yeah, in, in each tax year, you, you have an allowance as to how much you can put into an ISA. Now, in the current tax year, that allowance is £20,000. So you can put all of that £20,000 into a cash ISA or you can invest the whole amount into a stocks and shares ISA. Nowadays, you can also mix and match. So you can put some into stocks and shares and some into cash, as long as the total that you put in doesn't exceed £20,000 allowance for that tax year. That's that's the, the main thing there. But the, the £20,000 allowance, that's been in place now since 2017. So it's been the same for a, a few years. And I know some people have got a bit of a gripe with that because they think, oh, it should be going up each year so maybe in line with inflation or but going back I mean I, I remember when I first entered financial services way back in 1999 that was a year that ISIS came out uh-huh. um, they replaced Tessas and Pets yeah. back, back then and at that point the maximum allowance that you could put in an ISA was £7,000 yeah. and back at that point the most you could actually put into cash was 3000 so the limits have gone up quite quite a bit over time, but for a few years now, they've, they've remained at 20,000. And for the next tax year, the, the 22 23 tax year, the ISA allowance is remaining at 20,000 again for, for that tax year. So that's the, the most that you can put into an ISA. Okay. Now, you mentioned a, a couple of types there, the ones that we're going to look at today, a couple of types of ISA cash and stocks and shares. So maybe, Phil, take us through what they are and how they differ. First of all, let's look at a cash ISA. Yeah, well, a cash ISA really is a type of savings account. It lets you earn interest on your savings without paying any tax. Cash ISAs generally tend to be offered by banks and building societies. They tend to be the main providers of of cash ISAs. You get instant access cash ISAs. You get notice cash ISAs, so ones where you maybe say, right, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days notice. You also get fixed rate cash ISAs as well. Now, unfortunately, at the moment, interest rates on cash ISAs are, are quite low. Just now, the, the Bank of England base rate is still, it's not the lowest it's ever been, but it still is, is quite low. I had a look on some of the comparison websites this morning, and at the moment, for, for an instant access cash ISA, the, the best rate at today's date when we're recording this was 1.15%. Now, most of the cash ISA rates were even lower than that. Most of them tended to be around about maybe half a percent. Now, given that inflation is currently 5.4%, it means that in real terms, people are losing money on this type of account at the moment. So although any interest you make, you're not paying any tax on, cash ISAs just now aren't I wouldn't say aren't so popular because as we'll go through in this show, they, they've got their place, that's for sure. But even if you were happy tying your money up for a, a period of time, when I was having a look earlier on, the best five-year fixed rate cash I said just now was paying a rate of around 1.75%. So again, even that isn't near what the, the inflation rate is. And going back to the last question you asked, one thing I forgot to, to say as well is if you don't 
use your allowance in one tax year, that's it gone. You can't mm. carry it back and forth to, to other tax years. So that, that was one thing that I'd meant to, to say just a, a few moments ago as well. Okay. And okay. likewise, you, you've got your, your allowance for this tax year. If you haven't used that, you can also add soon. Once it gets to the 6th of April, you can add to your ISA again come the, the next tax year. So with, with cash ISAs, you can pay in a lump sum, you can pay in regularly. A lot of different kind of ins and outs of, of the cash ISAs there. And I, and I suppose, you know, in the absence of a, a decent interest rate, the fact that it's effectively you put 20, 20K in there and it's, it's uh, you know, free of tax, that's the appeal. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, when, when ISAs first came out, the, the cash ISA, you could put £3,000 into a cash ISA. Now, I think the interest rates back then in 99, just off the top of my head, I'm guessing here, but it was maybe about 5 6%. But if, if you were getting... 5% on £3,000 back then, that was an interest of about £150 for the year. Now, if you were a 20% taxpayer, that would save you roughly 30 quid in tax. So back then, for a lot of people, it wasn't really saving them a lot. But over the years, if you've used your allowance and, and managed to afford to pay in a lot each year, I mean, I, I know people that have got over a million pounds in ISAs. So right. the, the great thing for, for somebody in that position is, any money that in gains that they're making, they've no tax to pay. But ISAs are good because they get people into the habit of saving. And, and that's one of the, the kind of things that I like about ISAs. Although it's a pity at the moment that the cash ISA rates are so poor. Mm. And with inflation being high, that's that's a bit of a concern just now as well. Okay, so that's a cash ISA. What about a stocks and shares ISA? Yeah, so, stocks and shares ISAs, they, they can often be referred to as investment ISAs. That's what a lot of companies will call them. But with this type of ISA, it offers the, the possibility of higher returns than a, a cash ISA. However, with these types of ISAs, they, they carry more risk to the investor. You, you also get different types of stocks and shares ISA as well, just to, to kind of confuse things further. You've got <laughs> you, you've got cash ISA, sorry, you've got stocks and shares ISAs where you can invest the money in individual company shares. You've got ones that can go in investment funds, investment trusts, bonds and gilts. Probably the, the most popular one I would say that I come across tends to be ones that are in what's called pooled investment funds. And what happens here is that you invest in a basket of shares and that spreads the, the risk. If you invest in just a, a single company, I mean, if, if that company does well, great. But if that company doesn't do so well, then, and you're just invested in one company, then your whole investment's not doing well. Whereas with a pooled investment, if one of the companies that you're invested in isn't doing so well, it might be that some of the other ones are doing okay and that would kind of pull things up a wee bit. So I, I tend to find with, with ISAs, I, I know a lot of financial advisors will tend to recommend some of these like pooled investment funds where your money's spread across a lot of different areas rather than all being in just one single company. But then by the same token, I, I know some clients who are, they, they maybe are in the know, they, they, they think that a company's, a specific company is going to do very well. So they, they can do, it often used to be referred as a, a self-select ISA where you could just pick the shares of a, a single company and say, right, I want X amount of shares in this one, X amount in that one. And if it does well, you, you can do really well out of that. But mm. at the same time, it's thinking, right, are you happy with the risks that that poses? 
I guess that's the sort of thing you would you would go for if, say, you say it was your company and you knew you were on hovering on the breakthrough that would take you, you know, so far ahead of of your competitors that you know it was worth doing. Just going back to something that you said a moment or two ago about the the stocks and shares things, Phil, and and the pooled investments. You said that some will recommend, some financial advisors will recommend that you you go into the pooled investments because it gives you a sort of, you know, almost like a portfolio uh, across the, the the board there. Do you get financial companies who specialise in ISIS that say, right, okay, we're going to make a pooled investment. We're going to pull in all these these things and actually we're going to devise one and then we recommend that you put your money in that. Is that yeah, how it works? That, that, honestly, there, there's thousands of funds out there. And different fund managers will, will invest in different things. Some might have funds that invest in, in certain areas. Some, some might invest in certain sectors. So, so they really do vary. You also get, I mean, the, there's what's called active fund managers. So, so what they're doing is they're actively looking at picking stocks that they think will do well. But as you get what's called passive investments, and they're ones where they'll tend to track maybe some of the stock market indices so for example the probably the most popular index in the uk is the, the FTSE 100 index so you you get like tracker funds that just track the index so they they can be quite popular because cost wise that type of fund tends to be cheaper than actually paying like a, a manager to to actively manage the money for you that that's one thing when I mean, you've got some financial advisors that are like yeah managed funds are the best and you've got some picking it and then you've got other advisors that recommend the passive investments where they're tracking the index because they say right the, the fund managers are not outperforming it by a lot but it swings and roundabouts really and again even mm. for that the, there's no right or wrong answer as well but what, one good thing with the, the pooled investments is it helps people diversify yeah um, so that that's one of the major advantages of that uh, and given this is called cash ices versus stocks and shares ices you, you better tell us What's good and bad about both, Phil? I'd say, I mean, the, the, the pro for both is that you've no tax to pay on anything you make that's held within an ISA. So on both the cash ISA and the stocks and shares ISA, that's one of the, the major advantages. One advantage of a cash ISA is that you can choose how long to put your money away for. Um, so if you want an accessible account, you can put that in an accessible cash ISA and you know you can take that money out straight away if the, the need arises. A lot of the stocks and shares ISAs can be quite accessible as well. However, if, if you are investing in shares and in the stock market, if when you look to take that money out, the shares are down, you could get back less than what you put in. So you've got added risks of, of that. So you, you've got the the potential rewards, but you've also got the, the risks. So again, let's say you invest in the shares of a, a single company. If there isn't demand for those shares when you want to sell, it could even be quite difficult to liquidate your, your investment as well. So that, that's another potential downside of the, the stocks and shares ISA. Uh, another advantage of cash ISAs is that cash ISAs will tend to offer the protection from if the financial institution who it's with was to go bust, you've you've got the, the protection of the financial services compensation scheme there as well. So that's another added benefit of a, a cash ISA. Um, stocks and shares ISAs, I would say the, the main benefit there is that you, you're really hoping it can help you earn 
better returns on your money over the medium to, to long term. Um, sometimes people can do very well in the short term with, with that type of investment, but there, what you're, you're really looking for is to protect your investments from the inf- effects of inflation. I mean, the, the minute with inflation being higher than, I mean, the, the target is usually 2% and under for inflation, but at the moment it's, it's kind of riding it over 5%, and they think it may even go up even higher. So that, that's one of the things with a stocks and shares ISA is with that type of investment, you're hoping to try and keep pace with, at least with inflation and really actually better it. So that, that's one of the things there. The, the downside with a stocks and shares ISA as well is that the value of the investments can go up and down so your returns are not guaranteed. Mm. Is the, the general idea then that one or the other would appeal to you or that you would have a bit of both sort of going in, eyes fully open and able to assess the risks in advance? No, I, I would definitely say it's worth considering having both because when it comes to like stocks and shares ISA against cash ISA, what's best really depends on the individual's circumstances. And, and what you'll also tend to find, many people will want to have some kind of money accessible should they need it in the short term. So a cash ISA is quite a good place for that. One, one thing to, to note, though, is if you put money into an ISA and then take it back out, if you've used up all your ISA allowance in that tax year, you can't then pay it back in. So let's say you invest £20,000 in a cash ISA. Six months later, you want to take out 10000 You can't then pay that other 10000 back in if you've taken it out sort of thing. Um, so that, that's part of the rules there. But ISAs, the, the rules around ISAs are a lot more flexible than, than what they used to be, which is, is good. The allowances are a lot more generous than, than what they used to be. It, it's quite good now as well because, because the rules have changed, it does make ISAs a lot more appealing. It all really depends on the risks that someone's willing to take as to what would be the best ISA for, for them. With an, an investment ISA, your, your capital's more at risk. However, it could be said that cash ISAs aren't really without risk either because you've also got an inflation risk. And like I say, with, with inflation as it is at the moment, if someone's only getting 0.1% on their ISA or 0.5% in real terms, they're losing money on that. Let's say uh, I assess my ISAs and decide that my, my stocks and shares isn't going as well as I thought it might. Can I transfer from one ISA to another? Yep, it used to be that you could only transfer from a cash ISA into stocks and shares ISA, but that's one of the changes that came in was that you can actually transfer from a stocks and shares ISA back into a cash ISA. So that's that's quite a good change that, that came there as well. And, and what you tend to find is that the best time to move from stocks and shares to cash is if your investment's done well. But unfortunately, human nature tends to be that people will cash things in when they're down. And when things are going well, that's when they often want to yeah. invest more. So it, it, it is you almost need to go against the grain of how you're... It's easy to be emotional in, in that situation. So I've seen it a lot of times in the past. Somebody's maybe gone into an investment ISA, it maybe in the short term hasn't done so well. They've panicked, taken the money out. This kind of happened last year. I mean, there, there was a point last year where stock markets were down. Some people panicked, took their money out, and then stock markets recovered and, and did very well thereafter. So trying to time the markets is very difficult. That, that's kind of almost a million-dollar 
question, is it? And if someone knew how to do that, they would be mega rich. But mm. even your most successful investors, guys like Warren Buffett, they, they don't try and time the markets. They try to have time in it. So what they'll look at is they'll look for companies that they think are maybe undervalued. They'll, they'll look for companies that they think are good long-term bets, ones that will do well over a longer period of time. And that's that's what investing is all about. So if, if you are looking at going into stocks and shares, ISA, it really is investment more for the medium to, to longer term. One of the really great things about doing a podcast in finance, Phil, is, is that even though you might have covered a topic before, one, there are multiple angles you can approach it from. And, and two, the world changes around that subject, often through legislation or by the very nature of money. There's a volatile aspect to it, as you mentioned. Uh, and I suppose, as you've said before now in this podcast, if one thing's altered between last time we covered this and now, it's that volatile aspect. Inflation is officially much, much higher now than it was uh, this period last year. So what are the effects? How does it affect your ISA choices? That's it. I mean, inflation is a, a big consideration. And I mean, as I mentioned, cash ISAs have, have got risks attached to them. I mean, a lot of people think cash ISAs have, have no risk, but really they do because they, they have inflation risk. And I mean, if, if inflation was 5% and you're only getting 1% on your cash ISA, then in real terms, it means you're actually losing 4% a year. So, so it really is just now inflation is a big thing. And I mean, a year ago, we weren't speaking about inflation, but things change. And that's one of the good things with the, the podcast as well, is that we, we can be up to date with, with different things. We, we did a podcast before, ISAs Against Pensions, that I, I mentioned, and nothing in financial services stays the same for very long. Allowances change. All it takes is maybe a change of government and the, their policies can be totally different on tax and things. So I, I've had people say to me before, it's like, do you not run out of subjects to do? On the podcast, I was like, no, because mm. nothing ever stays the, the same for long. And I guess work, working in financial services, I suppose that's one good thing financial advisors have got is that they're always having to keep abreast all the, the different changes and things that, that's out there. But inflation is really a, a big concern for, for a lot of people at the moment. Bills are going up. And and that's it. I mean, I, I keep saying about ISAs and the allowances and lump sums, but for, for many people, it's unlikely that there's not that many folk can afford to pay in £20,000 a year. Sure. So one thing that's good with ISAs, whether it's a cash ISA or stocks and shares ISAs, you, you can pay as little into them. Some institutions have got minimum amounts that they'll take, but you can get cash ISAs or stocks and shares ISAs out there that you can start from maybe a tenner a month if you want to pay in regularly. And, and that can be good just to, to get you into the habit of saving as well. Although I appreciate that for a lot of people at the minute, what they want to do is try and save on bills as opposed to try to save money into to accounts because it is it's, it's quite tough times at the moment for many. Absolutely. Worthwhile looking back at this point to, to what actually performed well over the last 12 months before we, we enter another. So what did well, Phil? And does it act as any kind of true guide for what might be worth doing this year? Yeah, I mean, one, one good thing with investment ISAs is you've got plenty of choice out there. As I mentioned, you've got, you can invest in single company shares or baskets of, of shares. I mean, to, to give you an idea, one, one fund, looking from, from the 31st of January, 21, to the 31st of January, 22, a company called Schroders, they've got what's called a, a global energy fund. Now, in that period, that fund was up 
63.14%. Now, that sounds great. So, so anybody looking at that thinking, oh, in the last year, if you're in that, it's done really, really well, which it has in, in that period of time. However, if I look at the four years prior to that, it lost 22.8%, 24.6%, <laughs> 8.32%. And the year before that, it lost 16.35%. So in, in the four years previous, it lost money every single year. It's um, gone back actually, to where it was, yeah. Yeah, and, and actually, when I look at it over five years, it's still actually down about 30% on uh-huh. what it was five years ago. So so although that fund was one of the, the top performing funds last year, in the years prior to that, it, it hadn't done so well. And one of the things, I mean, my my own preference is when I'm investing, I, I certainly look at, at kind of pooled investments or, or basket of funds. I, I think a lot of investors like that because it spreads the risk and it, it diversifies and one thing I meant to say earlier is that if you do go into a pooled investment, um, as I mentioned, you, you can do these sort of managed, actively managed funds, and you've also got the, the passive funds there as well. So there's plenty to choose from out there. There's probably actually too much choice, and that's where a financial advisor can come in because they can help you with that. They've got the knowledge of, I mean, past performance is no guarantee to the, the future. I mean, like that, that, energy fund there, probably unlikely to perform the same again this coming year. And you often find the sectors that are really good one year are often the ones that aren't so good the the next year. But there's so many different funds available out there. Financial advisors can look at how the funds have performed historically. They can look at the costs on the funds. I mean, in in 2021, commodities were, were the best performing asset class there. However, the year before, they were the worst. So I'm always a great believer in diversifying. And and again, that's where a financial advisor can help because they can sift through all the different funds. An independent financial advisor is good because they can sift through all the the different funds. You've got some financial advisors that are restricted and can Mm. only advise on certain funds, but um, have a look and see what's out there. And that's where an advisor can be invaluable for you. I know you always say, and you say that again there, when it comes to investments of any kind, you like to spread things over a wide playing field, a big portfolio, if you like. Tell us, though, is when it comes specifically to ISAs, and, and in today's episode, cash ISAs versus stocks and shares ISAs, what we need to know for definite as key takeaway points to remember? I, I would say, I mean, the, with ISAs, you want to choose what you're comfortable with. You have to weigh up whether you need access to the money, also decide if you're happy with an ISA that can go up or down. That, that's the other thing as well. So there's a, several considerations. I, mean, I, I would say that there's no right or wrong answer as to what the, the best ISA is. Although that said, that answer might be different for, for different people. So if you've got someone, maybe got some money that's a deposit on a house that they're going to move in in six months' time, a cash ISA would probably be best in that sort of circumstances. If you've got somebody that's maybe just inherited money that they're not going to need for years, they might think, right, let's look at an investment ISA, I can put the money away, leave it, hopefully get good growth on it, and at some point use it for, for whatever. So it's good to weigh up the, the options and find what's best for, for you in your individual circumstances. Okay, uh, here we go, Phil, as we enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on cash ISAs versus stocks and shares ISAs? Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I like the investment ISAs, but that's because 
I'm comfortable with putting money away for the longer term. And when things go down, that doesn't concern me. In fact, when, when things go down, I see that as an opportunity, as a good time to invest, to look at putting more in if you can can afford to do it. But like I say, I'm a great advocate in people taking financial advice. And if you're not sure, speak to an independent financial advisor and they'll be able to, to guide you and help you with things. And Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration through various people you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode? I might even guess who's go- who it's going to be. No, uh, I don't. <laughs> maybe just, uh, it's fine. you're probably about to say a Warren Buffett quote. Yes, that's what I was going well, to guess. I, I did actually look at one of his and I was going to use it, but I, I've used quite a lot of his in the, the past. But th- this one, I thought this was quite appropriate for, for cash ISAs versus stocks and shares ISAs. It's from someone called Robert Arnett. In investing... What is comfortable is rarely profitable. Yeah, yeah, I can I can hear that from uh, from everything that we've done and things like this. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. I'll come back to you after this. Here's our first question: I have a balance on my credit card, and I would like to look at balance transfers. Who's best for this just now? I went online and I did a, a quick search. I went on U-Switch, one of the, the comparison websites earlier. Must say other comparison websites are available as well. But I, I thought I went on there, had a quick look to, to see Santander at the moment have got a, a 0% interest for 26 months deal for balance transfers. It says there's no balance transfer fee, although it does say a, a £3 monthly fee applies to that card. So just on the, the face of it, that looked to be quite a, a good deal. Obviously, if you're applying for any credit card, you want to have a look and check the criteria to make sure that you fit for it. Because I know some of them have got, you've maybe got to earn a certain minimum income. Mm. I think that one was a minimum of £7,500 a year you've got to earn to, to qualify for, for that one. And look, looking at balance transfers, it can save you money. So it's definitely worth considering. However, a wee credit check's done because that could impact on your, your credit rating in the future as well. But some of the comparison websites, likes of that one there, you switch that I went on earlier, it's quite good just to, to see what's available out there. But um, there are quite a few not percent deals. And one thing that seems to be changing again, a lot of the companies were charging a fee for, for transferring balances, but it looks again that, that some of them are doing it without fees, which is, is good. So hopefully save you a wee bit of money there as well. The way that worked was whatever the whatever the um, sum you wanted to transfer across was, they would just take 3% off yeah. the top of that and, and add it on, yeah? Yeah, used to yeah. be. I mean, years ago, none of the companies used to charge a fee for doing balance transfers, and then they started to, to charge them. But it looks like there's a few deals out there where, where you don't have that fee to pay again, which is good. Better news, yeah. Next one is from Marion in Nottingham. Marion says, do you have any tips as to how I can improve my credit rating. Yeah, we, we did do a previous podcast on that very subject, episode 20, which was top tips to improve your credit score and credit rating. So that, that one's probably worth a, a listen for, for Marion. Just a, a couple of quick tips. I mean, one thing that you can do is make sure that you're on the voter's roll. That, that always helps your, your kind of credit rating and credit score. Another is to, to make sure that you pay your bills on time. So when you do get any credit card bills in, or mortgage, your mortgages may be due, that, that type of thing, loans, make sure that you pay them on time. That that kind of helps. And also try not to use up too much of your available credit. If you're, you've got a credit a couple of credit cards and they're both maxed out, that can impact on things. Whereas if you've got 
maybe a credit card or a balance a, or a credit limit, say 5,000, but you've only used 1,000, that sort of thing helps your credit rating because you've then got available credit and, and lenders can see that you're not maxed out. So that, that can be a tip for helping your credit rating and credit score as well. Okay. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or you can email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. It's the same email address that he issued for that ISA document as well. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time and thanks for listening. Listener.